Okay. Um, so we're going to do, I think, a quick one today. Um, but Colleen, you were recently, I think you talked to Jason Charns. Is Charns his last name? Well, I talked to two different Jasons, but yes, I did also talk to him. <laughs> oh, that's right. You talked to Jason Sweat. Jason Sweat has the podcast. So I was on, on Rails, Rails with, with Jason, Jason. And then and you then... talked to Jason Charns, who I also talked to. So tell us about one of the Jasons. I know. That was a funny coincidence, too. So Jason Charns, who's a Rails developer, had tweeted out about building an active record, record course, which mm-hmm. I just submitted a proposal, a workshop to RailsConf that is an advanced active record course, essentially. So I wanted to chat with him to see kind of what he was building and where he was in the process. And we chatted yesterday and we had a great talk. It was really fun to talk to someone else who cares about this stuff as much as I do, (laughs) because active record is very stable. It's not hot wire. Like it's not, oh, we're getting rid of Webpacker. Like it's not exciting per se, Mm -hmm. but incredibly important so most people don't care they you know they don't they don't really like (laughs) they don't think about it they don't think about it they just use it however they use it until it gets in their way and then they sequel it so it was great it was super fun to chat with him to kind of see where his head was at with all this stuff and you know some of the things he's been doing and the course he's building which is different than the course i'm building well i may be building we'll see in terms of Goals like he's because he's building a a beginner course, he's going to start with that, so that's kind of just the basics. And um, and then his advanced course, uh, he's not quite sure which way, which direction that's going to go in yet. So it was great chat, it inspired me. So I'm speaking at the end of the month in Vegas at Sin City Ruby, so it inspired me to do my talk on ARL and building a composable query builder. Love it, and so yeah, so I've decided that's, I mean, I'm hoping to write that talk you know, this weekend while I'm away from home and have all this time. (laughs) And so, or at least get started on it. Mm -hmm. So that, um, that's all really good. I've been making a dedicated effort to talk to more Rails developers about Active Record, about what we're building with Hammerstone, about struggles they have been feeling. Um, So, it's kind of a mental mind shift as we get closer to getting this ready for production mm-hmm. to get, you know, to start thinking about what is this going to look like for other clients, customers? How is it going to fit into their stack? How excited are people about this? Rails is very mature at this point. Um, what is the appetite for a Rails only product? Things like that. And I was also on Rails with Jason, different Jason. And we talked quite a lot. We had a great chat. Um, I'm not sure when it's coming out. I'll ask him. But we talked quite a lot about like Hammerstone and ARL and, and um, you know, using that to build queries and things like that. And he was super excited about it. He thinks it's super cool. Good. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are excited about it. But I think it is fundamentally like when you look at the excitement around Laravel in general is at a fun. You guys are at a fundamentally different stage, I think, than Rails. So, I think with Rails seven, there's going to be a resurgence in new people and excitement. But we will be selling to a more. I don't want to say mature because that's maybe not the right word. Maybe a more established customer base. So you're going to have a and lot. I don't of- want to say grumpy, but that's because that's not the right. <laughs> that's word, the word but- that comes to your mind. <laughs> So we'll be, we'll be, it'll be a different, I think the sales cycle is going to be a little more interesting with Rails because we 
have more established companies that have already built their own solutions. So what is their appetite for switching? So I've just started exploring all of that. Have you, so besides the um, two Jasons, have you been able to talk to any other, any other Rails developers or how are you starting, how are you starting that process? So for me, it's been very small. You know, I was thinking, I was talking to a friend about this. Oh, maybe the friend was Aaron. You, you friend, Aaron, about this. <laughs> yes, I am Aaron, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bad friend. You know, confidence is built brick by brick, right? You just don't wake up and tell yourself you're going to be confident about something and it happens. Like you just, although the mind is very powerful, you have to convince yourself that this is true. And I think the key to success is confidence, period. Like, I think that is the key to our success. That's going to be my key to success, selling this to Rails people. And so what I have started to try to do is believe myself that I am as knowledgeable about this as I am. So the steps have been small. Like I've tried to tweet more about active record Mm -hmm. and then just interact with more people, you know, people I talk to um, online and chatting with people who come on software social. I had Nate Bergapek on software social, not about, yeah, not about Hammerstone, but, you know, offline, just chatting a little bit about what we're building and the Rails community. Because I think that people who are really active in the Rails community, everyone wants to see a resurgence of the Rails excitement of 2007. Like, everyone wants that. Yeah, it's so interesting as an outsider that to hear you say that because I look at it from the outside and think it's kind of, like, obviously it's very mature and stable, but it also seems kind of boring. Um, and I know that that's worn as like a badge of honor, like it's very boring, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of excitement inside the community. And that's just from looking from the outside. I don't think you're wrong. I think we have the huge problem with the head of rails being who he is. And, you know, obviously statements he has made, which has been have been very divisive. And we you know, it's been around a long time. I feel like you're right about that. And People are excited. I think Rails 7, people are getting excited. I also think Rails really struggled with JavaScript. I mean, Sean could probably come in. But, you know, as an independent developer, like as a consultant, I have seen every way you could add JavaScript to an application ever. It's every version of Rails that felt like they were like, oh, we're going to do this. Now we're going to do this. Now you need to put it here. They're trying to not use JavaScript. Right. Like ideally, JavaScript didn't exist. Which is how Laravel treats it. That's the the main problem. And then... But the problem is in Laravel, that's how Laravel treats it, you're saying? Yeah, we treat it, or or rather, the Laravel team treats it as if it doesn't exist in that they don't make any any really first-party decisions about JavaScript at all. Yeah. So then, I guess, in the Rails community, at least, so I'll just speak to that because I know that more, but like the, the... So Laravel didn't have to go through the period of time where we switched from completely server side app web applications, you know, very server heavy. And we, and then over time we transitioned to very client heavy slash turn the server into a rest API. Um, and now there's this realization that there's a middle ground that there's these you know ways that you can go about making fairly high fidelity user interfaces without having to write a ton of JavaScript. I mean, there's still JavaScript, but like we can, there's some tooling now that you can use that makes it a lot better. And there's, you know, that's coming out. And I think, you know, mainly it was like Phoenix. I think it was the first time I saw something like that. And 
that's now that's now swinging um, us back towards these backend frameworks versus before it was like you're going to be a Rails developer, you're building Rust APIs. You know, like that was like all my Rails dev friends, like that's what they did. And everything is about that domain modeling and, you know, SQL queries. And like, that was, that's like what they did. And then, and so like, I think Laravel got to skip that pain in the middle there. So like the whole, the whole, the whole like, and there was this whole also like the most popular thing I've ever written ever was an article called why JavaScript development is crazy. And that got tweeted by DHH like instantly basically. And then it went from there to like everybody, including I was telling Aaron, like John Carmack, like retweeted it and talked about it. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was surreal. But I think like that hit this, that was in this moment in 2014, which was like, they, I think that what that, that what that article hit was like a, feeling in the rails community of like we're being left behind but like you shouldn't you shouldn't do that because the javascript ecosystem is terrible which is true like and it's very complicated and difficult to work with which is true and and it's it's definitely less true now than it was then but like still a little bit true that it's still incredibly difficult to build these complicated uis and stuff with javascript though it's better but anyway like then and then and now rails exists in they like stuck to their guns the whole time so there was like not a lot of like innovation happening there in on that side and so then it really i think what you felt is like it's sort of killing the momentum of like innovation and the excitement around like new new ideas new ways of doing things but now you get a little taste of that back because there's this middle ground that you can actually like do these fairly decent UIs with just rails. And that gets people excited again, because that's the exciting thing about rails is it is much more fun and to sit in the rails world and you can get in this rails flow and you can be really, really highly productive, cranking out, you know, web application features for your users very quickly, all while writing in Ruby, which is frankly a beautiful language. So like the, that's that's coming back so it's like a but it's like a snowball right now and like i put this in our slack it was a couple years ago it was like two three years ago and i predicted that like this is before turbo or hotwire was a thing but i was like i think that we're gonna go to heavy we're gonna make a swing back to heavy servers because like i think there's tons of apps where we can like do this and uh, i did not predict that rails would figure that out. <laughs> um, so that's cool. But, and that's, but I still think we're like building the momentum behind that. And in another couple of years, this will be like the thing that everybody's talking about and rails will be back on the scene and, you know, there'll be some more excitement, but it's like, they went to this trough of sorrow for a while where they just did not have a place in, in the world of web development, uh, other than like just grinding out rest APIs. So it was like, and that's just, I'm really speaking super broadly. That's totally not true of everything, but like, and that, that 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 is what you feel is like that momentum that momentum that they had went away and now it's just this inertia of like you know of that combined with all the stuff that Colleen said too with the leadership and stuff there. I think my hottest prediction, and it's a super hot take, is that there's going to be a framework, a Ruby framework that takes advantage of Rails in terms of using some of the Rails components as. Um, like as its base and it's going to be 
even more Laravel-like than Rails currently is. Because I think there's a lot of stalled momentum. There's the whole DHH thing. And I think there's not very much excitement in the younger, we'll say, web develop web development world. Um, anything below, I don't know, 35. I don't think a lot of those people are like super amped about Rails. So in the same way that Laravel looked at Symfony, which is a huge framework in the PHP world, looked at Symfony and was like, man, this is rock solid, but it just doesn't feel great to use. And there's just all this you know, legacy stuff. And Taylor took all of those components, wrote a whole bunch himself, and then made Laravel out of it. I think in the next, we'll say three years, somebody's going to do that with Rails, and there's going to be a new Rails. No, no, no way. Rails is this is not the same. Like I remember Symphony, like from college. Was it college? It was after that because it was something different in college. But anyway, I, I do remember Symphony came out and it was better than the other things that came out for PHP and. But I still remember PH like Symphony coming out and looking at that and being like, Buh, like this is no soul, you know, like it wasn't that was my reaction to it. Rails still has soul and Rails is still uh, Rails is really good, really good. It's not I agree. Dale, it's not boring. It's not like it, it's not like I don't think you could reintake what they've done that type of thing and do it better. Like, no, I mean, I can't even picture it. Like if, if they hadn't and done think, the turbo hotwire thing, then they, I, then they would have, then it would have been true, but they did the turbo hotwire thing, which is the exciting bits, I think. And I think you are a perfect example of somebody who is above 35 that loves the boring rails as it is. And I think there's just not a lot of excitement in anyone that's, I, I you know, I'm 33, but somebody that's 25, I don't think they're using Rails. And I think there's an opportunity for somebody like Taylor to come into the Rails world and or the Ruby world, I guess, and shake things up with something fresh. I mean, I suppose. I can't. I lack the imagination to know what it is that they would do that would be so exciting. It might just be a cultural difference. That could be it. I could do mm-hmm. that. Totally. I wouldn't see, like, technically, like... Like the, the thing is like the things that would be exciting for me in web development these days would be anything that helps me, uh, build complicated, beautiful UIs with animations and stuff faster. Like, cause right now to do that is it involves, this is a reason why I think JavaScript developers want to own things end to end because like when I work with rails developers, they hate JavaScript. And so like, it is this constant, like. I always have this thing where like a Rails developer sees the uh, the domain model and like he just immediately wants to like leak this through to the user. Like there's there's I'm building these database tables and now I am supplying them to the user. Like the domain model equals the language that the user is presented with, which is which is a very simple and fast way to build web applications and it's the way Rails works uh, best I think. But then. It's real limiting because sometimes the way you need to represent your data and your data models is not the way you need to actually represent it to users. And so, and this is being really, really high level, but this is generally the problem where it's like, okay, I really need you to give me the data so that it looks like this, right? Like totally separate, weird format. And it needs to look like this. And that's so that way I can make a UI that does these things. And this is, I have actually this problem with all backend developers, but more so with Rails developers where it's like, look, this data format makes no sense for UI that you're giving me, which is why I think there's this like 
we want to build on the front end like beautiful slick uis that are really intuitive and we want to do this you know really quickly but like a lot of it is held back by like what what i'm working with on the on the back end so like for me the most exciting bits of innovation that could happen are on the front end and if then you know like if there was like some way that like i could build you know we could be using turbo for like the middle ground of like really quick like crud apps like what bullet train lets you do amazing um but then also when it's time to actually build a, a legitimate like user like rich user interface to me the innovation there's so much innovation yet to happen there and that's all javascript so like i again so both both i think like rails is already like as like a beautiful solution and amazing and i say when i say boring i'm not saying that rails is actually boring to use because it's not it's boring because it's just it's there it's always been there and there's no like there's no like uh the 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 pace of change there is the same that it's always been and but that's because it's solving like that type of problem so I think Rails is there for that niche. And then if there is something that's going to be new and exciting, it won't be a replacement for Rails. It will be doing something different, which I think will probably be with like developing better UIs. Like that would be my guess if there's some new super cool, exciting innovation that happens and might not even be in Ruby or PHP or any of those things. Maybe we're doing stuff in WebAssembly in the browser. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, I think inertia is the middle ground that you seek because inertia lets you build it's it's like server rendered pages but it's also like single page apps um and so you kind of get the benefits of both worlds um and inertia like sits in between and is kind of a translation layer and handles a lot of that for you so you still get all the benefits of not having to write full on rest apis just for your front end but still getting to use full view or react front ends and not having to figure out you know, view router or react router, all that nonsense. So I think that's a pretty, pretty good middle ground that a lot of people seem to have picked up. Yeah. That sounds interesting. I've never looked at that. Sounds cool. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. They did. They've done a great job. I think they have Laravel rails. I don't know if they have Python, but then they have react views, uh, Svelte, I think. Um, but it's, it's super cool. So anyway, (laughs) Now that we've figured out the future of web development, um, <laughs> I'm glad you're talking to Rails developers, Colleen. <laughs> um, so, anything else? For no, you, not Colleen? for me. Not for me. Working and coming to hang. Yeah, so I'll see you in person tomorrow. Tomorrow, yes. That's going to be fun. Super excited. That's going to be great. Um, Sean, what's going on over there? Yeah, not a not a lot of crazy updates for me i'm just helping colleen with the with the front end stuff for the client so that's that's my primary focus got some i thought real good updates from our designer so i'm gonna mix and match the logos and stuff that we got from him and then go to the next step with him and get start getting some colors and stuff um that's still like (laughs) buckby keeps bugging me every week to be like hey let's do a market because i i'd reach out to him and i was like dude i want to do marketing power hour with you every week you and me and like because he's always asking to help how he can like help people and like work Mm -hmm. with people and i was like this is what i want help me with the seo stuff once a week so we were starting to do that and then i have too many things happening so there's i'm like i can't do a single i can't spend a single minute on that right now i have to do these i have to focus on getting these other things off my plate so that's basically that's basically what i'm doing i'm getting that off my plate and then it'll be the the other stuff i'm just gonna start 
checking these things off and getting them getting them done um but yeah that's my that's all i'm that's all i'm doing right now great um okay on my side um a lot of good stuff going on i think i've got several people reaching out to me about refine um just in mostly in twitter dms a couple of emails um some of the DMs have gotten lost because they get stuck in that message requests thing, yes. um, which sucks. The whole interface is really, I, yeah. it's never been a problem for me because I haven't really ever cared. It's always just been like either friends or total strangers. Um, but the whole interface is really bad. And I'll see something and like I'll click over to the message requests and there'll be like four spam and one real one. And then hop back to the main inbox. And then they never show you a notification again about those ones that you just looked at. So I'm trying to manage that a little bit better. Um, But I also got an email this morning from somebody that said, hey, I saw your um, Nova package on novapackages.com or whatever that website is. So I did list us there just as a regular package, no promotion or sponsor or anything. And somebody found it. So that's already a non-zero win right there. Um, so I'll yeah. email her back today. Um, yeah, so that's good. I think I'm going to help Keith a little bit more sometime next week, um, finalize the stuff for his app. Um, and then on the Torchlight side, there's, I think, some really exciting things going on there. Um, I've accidentally become like a hipster web developer. I was like working with Cloudflare edge functions and Cloudflare workers and uh, Vercel. And I've since moved to fly.io where Sean, I believe you worked for a day. Um, (laughs) So I've, yes, I've, I've moved to fly. Um, So here's the story. I'm moving forward with Torchlight being um, accessible from the front end and in theory, free for everyone, um, save for enterprise and German customers. Um, more on that in a second. Um, so I'm having to like re-architect some of it because with the backend libraries, I can take advantage of just like massive caching. So every client that I write just caches the blocks for like 30 days. And so um, I can do that because everything is on the server, right? So there's one place where these people are highlighting it's on the server. So I have access to one cache. When it becomes a front end thing, the highlighting takes place from the, you know, the client's browser. And so there's no centralized cache I can populate. So I'm having to re-architect some of it um, so that I can hold a cache on my side. Anyway, um so I did it with Cloudflare workers and it worked great, but it was kind of complicated. Um, the whole serverless thing was a little too complicated. Um, that it was more complicated than it needed to be. And then I think the real problem was it's obviously charged by request. And so every, every request, um, like anytime someone loads a page that has torchlight highlighting on it, torchlight, the, the client library is going to send off like five requests because it chunks the blocks up. So it could be two requests. It could be 10 requests, whatever. So if you imagine somebody, you know, with a million page views a month is loading that that's 5 million requests just from that one site. 
and it gets really expensive really fast. Um, and if this is going to be free, that's not going to work. So serverless is out for this use case. But I saw fly.io will basically, it feels like Heroku where you don't have to worry about servers, except they run it all on, um, I don't know if the edge is right, but they have many um, physical points of presence. And you can just like spin up a new data center somewhere else. Um, so I have one running in DFW and you can just add one t- like in Paris and one in Tokyo. And it's extremely cool. I'd never used it for anything before, but it's, it's wild. I'm very impressed by it. Um, and they give you like a full on server. So it's really great because I don't have to manage a server, which running an API makes me really, really nervous about managing servers. I don't want to do that um, because that's just not my highest skill set. And so I don't want to be there. Um, So Fly is great because they'll manage the servers for you, but it still feels serverless because you're not, you don't ever touch them. Um, So I got that working, um, which is great. And it's, you know, sending responses back in under 50 milliseconds, which I think is, well, I'm in DFW, the servers in DFW as well. Um, but I think that's as fast as a client side highlighting library could do it. Um, so that feels really great. I got that working last night. Um, and it's really, really powerful and very easy to use. There's there's some weird stuff. It's it's over my head technically, but their docs are pretty good, and so I've been able to figure that out. Um, so that's been good as I'm moving forward to making this more and more open. Um, and then the other thing, I think I told y'all briefly last week, is a, a German company reached out to me and was like, hey, we want to use Torchlight. We can't send you all of our stuff we can't like send all of our blocks to the API cause you're in the U S and we're in Germany. So would you be willing to give us a self-hosted version if we pay you an enterprise license? I was like, yeah, definitely. Of course. Um, so I think that's an interesting use case for the future. Um, it's free for everyone save for, you know, if you want to do self-hosted, it costs. And if you have more than, I don't know, a million visits a month, it costs something like that. Um, And I think that would allow us to go super, super wide and just basically be everywhere, Um, which I think is going to be really good in terms of, you know, publicity, I guess. Um, Well, hell yeah. But also not, I I would think that one in terms of publicity, although I mean, that'll be some part of it. That's for SEO. Like that is, that is a huge win for us. Yeah. Which is like of the marketing channels that we've talked about or have spent any cycles on at all, that one is like for long term like lo- like growth to like a bigger company. So any yeah. anything that we're doing that's moving us like putting deposits into that bank account are is uh, makes me excited. Yeah, that's a good point. I think this will pay continue to pay off for hopefully years and years to come. Um, and I reached out to that um, that agency I've mentioned here a couple of times. They just released a new site and the uh, just a random new site that they have. And the design was just gorgeous. And so I reached out to um, the owner of the agency and was like, hey, does this designer take on any side work? Because I would love to have her do the homepage or like 
like redo Torchlight in preparation for like this public release. Um, and he's like, no, we don't really do side work, but we can talk about, you know, getting y'all in through the agency for, you know, kind of like a friendly rate. And I was like, great, let's talk about that. So I don't have any specifics yet, but I'm hoping that this, this woman who did their site can redo ours and make it nice and sexy because the way I did it is, I mean, it's good. I, I don't think the way I did it is bad. I just think it could be a lot, it could be a lot catchier. Um, the Torchlight homepage? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I thought, I thought it was great. Oh, thanks. Um, that's, that's good. Um, yeah, so we'll see, we'll see what she comes back with or they come back with and we'll see if it's even viable. Um, and then there was Don't change one, your formula on that webpage. The copy formula? Yeah. Okay. I do want to, so that that's interesting. I do want to highlight, um, well, I was thinking about highlighting the fact that it can be completely static um, in terms mm-hmm. of no external JavaScript required. Obviously, that's not the case for the client side stuff, but um, I kind of want to highlight the fact that it works super well with static sites and that you can ship completely finished stuff. Um, oh yeah. I mean that wouldn't change the formula of like what you're doing on that page. So that makes sense to me. Okay, cool. Um, and then finally the, uh, the sidecar stuff, um, has continued to move along at a pretty good clip. There are, um, lots of people using it, reaching out to me. One, person reached out and was like, Hey, can you do some consulting around this? Can we hire you to do a little bit of work on this part of sidecar? And, um, so that continues to be a win. And then there are a couple other, um, I think exciting opportunities in the pipeline that I can't really talk about publicly yet, but I think, um, good things are happening there. So continue to be, um, pleasantly surprised with the legs that that sidecar has so a lot of stuff i feel like there's a lot of stuff going on right now and even more you know than i can i can talk about at the moment but all very very good awesome how's it going with the people who are i don't want to say beta testing but beta testing it yeah that's something i've been thinking about um good i mean you know they'll ask me questions in our slack from time to time and sometimes it's a bug that I can fix and sometimes it's just a misunderstanding. Um, but so far everyone has been just universally thrilled with it. I think the thing that I need to work on, I think I need just like basically a Trello board, um, and to move people through the stages because I've been super laissez faire about, yeah, y'all try it, get it integrated and let me know what you think. And I kind of leave it up to them. Um, and I think I need to be like, I don't really have a sales process and I don't know that I ever want to, but I could use something between here and there because I don't like, I kind of, I kind of just leave them alone. Um, which I'm sure in a lot of regards they like, but in some regards it would be nice if they were thrilled and totally implemented and I could just ask if they want to pay and they'll be like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. So I don't really, I don't really know to answer your question. Um, and that's a process that I need to figure out. So if either of you have thoughts on that, I would be open to it. And that could also help with my Twitter DM thing. I could just drop cards into, you know, the leads column and then I'll see like, Oh, I haven't actually followed up with that person. I need to respond. So 
Now I think if they're if they're to the point where they have where like they have the code in hand and are like trying to put it get it in their code base, then I'm kind of with you. I'm I'm kind of like you, and this is maybe our blinds collective blind spot, but where I'm like, well, then okay, then they have access to our Slack, they have the code, they have the docs. I wouldn't bother them then at that point because it's just like you're going to need to take whatever time you need to take. You have, well, I don't know what things are going on on your end. It's like nagging you about this doesn't seem like it helps either of us. But like all the other stages up to that point, that makes sense to have just like a little bit of a, a checkbox. Like because sometimes people just drop things off their plate that they re- they aren't do intend to do, but just mm-hmm. like forget. So it's you know actually helpful to bring things up again at the right time for people. So yeah, I don't know. My instinct is not that. My instinct mm-hmm. of this is different and that it would look like you get a lead, you give an onboarding call, and then you schedule at that call in two weeks, let's have a 30-minute call to see where you're stuck, if you're, or, you know, to see how it's going. And you go ahead mm. and schedule that because sometimes people get tired, they get distracted, they need you to force them to think about it. Mm-hmm. And if you're on their calendar, there is a higher probability that they're going to think about it. Mm, that's a good idea. Okay, I like that. I mean, that that's that's a great idea. Um, there is the like high charts model, which is more just like you know, here it is. You can install it. Here's all the docs. Here's everything you need. Here's contact information for us. And then none of them. There was no pressure. Like when we did this with their with their library, there was no pressure from them whatsoever. The entire time we were sort of like looking at it, and it took us like over a year, and then we bought it. <laughs> but like the but that but that was like doesn't matter to them because they didn't have to spend any effort on it really i don't know that seems both seem fine to me and what what you describe colleague seems like a, a really good idea like get on the calendar and i'm you know and then we can help them especially since with the nova thing it's like probably you could sit down and if you're like pairing with somebody you could get the whole thing like knocked out like an example yeah. filter like really fast <laughs> yeah yeah and i feel like for specifically one of them that um that's i guess you know trialing it or whatever they've they're well beyond like initial filters now they're okay what are what are these specific use cases in our business and how do i represent that best and they're like super far down the rabbit hole of what's the best business way to do this part based on the questions they're asking me they're they're deep into it um and I guess I don't know. Um, they're they're kind of a bigger company. They just got acquired by a very big company, and so maybe they legitimately are spending, you know, six to twelve weeks doing this and other stuff, and they just need the time. Um, but I think I think I need to know. Like I need to know that. Um, I think that that's maybe where I feel like I'm I'm falling short. Is I could just check in and ask <laughs> like I could ask that question and I don't think that would I don't think that would do anything um so maybe I'll maybe I'll do that and maybe for the next ones I'll schedule a two-week follow-up when I get them into the slack because um, I think at this stage that's probably you know there's a question of like what's best for them and what's best for us I think at this stage it's it's definitely best for us to try to get these sales cycles shortened a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is. I think it's best for them too. I mean, you have to, I don't want to use the word push, but that's kind of the right word. Like 
because again, people are busy, they have all these other things to do, but you ultimately dedicating that time to them, whether, you know, two weeks, 30 minutes, whatever seems appropriate, probably what will happen is they will get on a call with you. And then all of these questions they didn't even realize they had, based on Mm -hmm. what they have already done will come out. And if they haven't looked at it, then you guys can spend your 30 minutes actually implementing it. So it doesn't take 12 weeks for them to know if it's a good fit or not. I feel like this eventually, you know, this isn't something that should take 12 weeks to know whether it's a good fit or not. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. No. Uh, (laughs) I like the Trello board idea. Like, right. Like just, you know, leads, first call, second call scheduled, follow up when. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to set that up today. Um, cause I have been feeling like almost like drowning in opportunity. Um, like I've got a few DMS and an email and these people in our Slack already. And I just don't really have a good overview of what's where and who needs what, um, which is a, a good, like, that's a really good thing. It's just not a, it's not a path I've ever been down before. So I don't have a well-trod like system for it. So I'll set that up today and then, That'll also be nice because then everyone, like Colleen, you could use it as well. Right. And everyone can see where everyone is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Okay. Cool. Nice work. I will do that. Awesome. Because, um, yeah, we still Doesn't just have fucking meals. Something that's... like that. He probably does because like he has he so many calls. Does. We should ask yeah. him. Yeah. Well, and his whole, like, getting installed process is quite a bit more. Although his is flipped where people pay and then do the install stuff just because mm-hmm. the way the Heroku model works. So it's not part of his sales, really. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's he's got a system, I know. But he has he a, does... a demo call on his sales page, right? So on his Heroku Elements uh-huh. page, he has a book a book a demo. So he does talk to some people before they convert. So yeah, we should we should ask him about that. And his is very. He has the benefit that his is very programmatically driven. Like step one is right. Uh, add on added. Step two is you know check the DNS to see if it's there, and if not, he can he yeah. He does call have to like nudge them along that process yeah right but yeah i'll see i'll talk to him and see if he manages it outside of his little local rails app which i don't think is the case i think he does manage it all through that app but i'll ask um but either way i think trello is an easy place for us to start yeah yeah it doesn't have to be fancy but yeah trello is a good plan okay cool i don't think i have anything else i'm good okay we'll call it there